Let us pray. Gracious Father, we honor you. We thank you for your written word, which is the means by which we discover your living word, Jesus Christ. And we thank you for the power and presence of your Holy Spirit that makes it come alive for us. So we invite you here today, Lord, open each and every heart to listen, to hear, and to inwardly digest all that you have to speak to us today, Lord, so that we would be changed. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Man, Psalm 82 is weird. Did you pay attention when we were reading it? And God said, you are all gods? What is that all about? Well, wouldn't you like to know, but I'm not preaching on that today. That would be more of a lecture than a sermon and going into the details of that. Uh, We're going to look at Colossians chapter 1 today. Um, I heard a story just the other day about a woman named Paulette Cooper who in 1969 became very curious about what she could get away with as a stowaway on a cruise ship. And so she packed up a little tiny, she was in New York, and she packed up a little tiny attache case and rubber banded and rolled up a few outfits and got them real tiny, everything she could pack in there, because that's all she could take. She couldn't take luggage and haul it around. Uh, she put a, broke off a, a toothbrush head and crammed it in there. She had some think, deodorant pads, it was something in the past, I guess, and she crammed them in there. And she uh, walked onto the ship confidently. She said, I know what the secret is, it's just to act confident like I'm supposed to be here. So She walked on the ship confidently and um, had no cabin, of course, or no ticket or anything. Uh, So what she did was she survived on uh, cocktail garnishes like olives and things like that in the bars. And then what she would do so that she wouldn't be suspected of not having a cabin is she would pour a glass of, get a glass of water, a cocktail glass and fill it with water so that it looked like uh, some kind of clear alcohol. And she would set it on a a bar table. And at the end of the night, she would, she would sleep at the bar table for a couple of hours to get some sleep so that she would rather than be uh, suspected of being a stowaway would just be suspected of being a drunkard. So she got a couple hours of sleep every night. She 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 got to St. Thomas Island where the uh, ship was going, spent some time on the beach in the sun, got back on the boat and uh, went all the way back to New York City, got off the boat, never got caught. <laughs> Fascinating story. Um, what's the point of the story? Um, the point of the story is that many people go through the Christian life as if they're just stowaways having no real place or purpose, but just hoping to quietly arrive at a better destination when they die. But friends, there's so much more. There is so much more to life with Jesus. And the Bible says that we can have knowledge of God's will for our lives and the strength and the power to walk out his will for us. Now, how many of you would like to know with confidence God's will for your life? A couple of you? (laughs) <laughs> Me too. And the scripture says that that's actually attainable for us. So we're going to look at Colossians chapter 1. is going to help us understand this and explore what it means to seek God's will for our life. So we're going to move down to the, the second big paragraph, the first part of the letter. Paul and Timothy are writing and they're congratulating the church in Colossae, which is a new baby church. Um, they're co- congratulating them for the work of the gospel that they're seeing spread and bear fruit. Okay, And so Paul goes on now and he says, now here's what I want you to know how we're praying for you specifically. 
I mean, that's cool. I love when people come and they say, Father Cameron, I've been praying for you. That's great. I love it. I'm encouraged by it. But I really love when someone says, I have been praying for you in this way. And then they tell me specific things. So this is what Paul says. We're praying for you in very specific ways because we want this work, this great work of the gospel to continue to spread. He says this. From the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of God's will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Did you know you can be filled, say filled, filled with the knowledge of God's will for you? God has actually given you the capacity to know what he wants for you and from your life. He's not not trying to hide his purposes from you as some kind of unsolvable riddle that you have to frantically scramble to figure out. He, he doesn't want you going through your Christian life as a stowaway. He wants you to, to, to have a ticket and a cabin and, and to have a destination with purpose. And so Paul is telling them, you can have the knowledge of God's will. And we're, that's what we're praying for you. Now, in Colossae, um, you're going to see me fidgeting with this a lot because it's a, it's one that I don't usually use and these things are the bane of my existence on Sunday morning because they never stay on my, my ears. Um, so there, the, the culture at Colossae is one of, very similar today, uh, we could call it pluralism, religious pluralism, so lots of different beliefs and spiritual paths that you could follow, lots of different gods that you could uh, swear your allegiance to. And so Paul knows that there are lots of options. You know, it's like when you go to Barnes & Noble and you see there, there's a Christian living section, but then you look across the way and there's um, divination and dream interpretation and things like that, which is what, the, by the way, the Bible calls sorcery and it's absolutely forbidden because it's seeking spiritual knowledge apart from Jesus Christ. So anyway, Paul knows that there's the same, there's the ancient Barnes & noble with all these different spiritual philosophies that the Colossians could end up falling astray or getting tempted to kind of follow those things, a little bit of Jesus, a little bit of that, which is a lot of people, a lot of Christians do that today. I like, I like Jesus, but I really get a lot of information when I go to the psychic and friends that is so, so dangerous for our spiritual life. Then Paul doesn't want that to happen. So he says, look, you can actually have knowledge of God's will. He wants to give it to you. And he says, with spiritual wisdom and understanding. Now that phrase could actually also be interpreted or what it actually means is wisdom that the spirit gives. So this is about having the person and the presence of the Holy Spirit in your life. So there's a question for us is the, is the Holy Spirit someone, the person of the Holy Spirit, someone that we actively pursue in our lives and have a relationship with? And if not, why not? What's What's hindering that? Now, here's a principle for us that I don't want you to miss today. Knowledge of God and his will in in scripture is more a way of life than a piece of information. Say way of life. Knowledge of God and his will is more a way of life than a piece of information according to scripture. So you remember the Israelites in the Old Testament? God calls them as, as his people and he delivers them through the waters of the Red Sea and he's going to take them to the promised land, but they've got to go through these territories in the wilderness. God doesn't give them a piece of information. He doesn't give them written directions or a map. He doesn't give them survival instructions. He told them to obey him and to trust in him and that they would prosper and have his blessing and his protection. And when they did that, he blessed them and protected them. You see, 
God's will for our lives corresponds directly with our relationship with him and how we obey his word. Now, when Joshua, Moses' successor, took over leadership of the Israelites, the Lord wanted to remind the Israelites of how they were supposed to live. And he says to them, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. And then he, then he gets personal and relational with them. He says, be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. You see how it's so much more about our relationship and our closeness with the Lord than it is about having information to guide us through life. Now, think about what Jesus says to his disciples. Very, very, something very similar. In John chapter 14, Jesus says, Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. You see, the direction for life will come out of seeking God, relationship with God through his word and through adhering to his word and obeying it. Now, here's the thing. Here's another principle today that we need to hear. Ignorance of the Bible will guarantee a significant deficit in our knowledge of God's will for our lives. Ignorance of the Bible will guarantee a significant deficit in our knowledge of God's will for our lives. Now, I'm loving on you here, okay? But some of you need to take that Bible off the shelf and get the pledge out and and wipe the dust off that bad boy and open it and start getting familiar with it. And some of you need to go buy it an updated Bible because you got the family King James only and you can't, the King James version, you can't even understand it when you read it. You see, oh man, I'm doing a Bible study with some teenagers on Wednesday morning and I love it and they're, they're hungry to learn about scripture because they want to know about purpose for their life. It's a beautiful thing to see that hunger in young people. Would that it be infectious to the rest of us? But so many Christians go through their life and they never really open the word of God. They just think, well, if I, if I have faith and I believe in Jesus and I, and I pray occasionally, I'll be okay. I'll get there. Think about a, a, a ship captain who, who goes out to sea and he says, you know, I'm just going to kind of turn the wheel for a while and wander around out here and sort of hope I land in a nice place eventually. That's going to get old after a while. That's going to get boring and lifeless and you're going to run out of resources. But then if he takes out the map and he starts following specific directions, then he's got some purpose. Then he's got some beautiful destinations towards which he can move. Now, Here's the question for Paul. What is the purpose of being filled with the knowledge of God's will for our lives? Well, he goes on and he answers and he says to the Colossians, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him. So here's a, here's a preliminary question when we think about pleasing the Lord. Do you want to please the Lord and why? Right? What is your motivation? Because it will make all of the difference. If you think about it slavishly, that I I have to do this and this and this, or God will be angry, he won't be happy with me anymore, he won't love me anymore. Friends, that's like paganism, (laughs) that you have to appease the gods. 
Jesus said to his disciples, no longer do I call you servants, but I call you friends. You see, God, God wants friendship with us. And the obedience will flow out of that because if you're friends with God and you're close with the Lord, you will want to please him. You will want to please him and obey him. You see, the longing to be happy, it's a universal human longing. And Christianity doesn't say, deny yourself happiness. It says, the deep and enduring happiness that your heart longs for can only be found in a life that seeks its pleasure in God. And the more you do that, the more joy and happiness you're going to have. Now, Paul's going to go on. He's going to give us three things. He's going to give, give us three things that we can do that are signs that we are living lives of delight in the Lord that are pleasing to the Lord. Okay, so you can follow along in the text. And the first thing is this. He says, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. What does it mean to bear fruit? Uh, bear fruit... Is, means that your life is producing something because of your relationship with God. Remember what Jesus says in John chapter 15? I am the vine, you are the branches. You know, my life, I want my life to flow through you. He says, if any, he says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. See, you can go through the Christian life and do lots of good works. And you can live a morally upright life. But not actually have the life of Jesus flowing through you. Because you don't spend time with him. You don't abide in him. You don't go to meet him in his word. Now, can you imagine meeting the Lord face to face and, and, and on that day and he says... You didn't spend any time getting to know me. You did lots of good things, but you didn't spend any time getting to know me. I don't, I don't know you. Now you're going to tell me, and now you're ready to enter in and to know me for all of eternity and be with me. You see how important it is? And it was for Jesus, for his disciples to, to just be in his presence. Next week, our sermon's going to be about being in the presence of the Lord, seeking the presence of God in our daily lives. But this is a, just a little foretaste of that. And Jesus says, you can't bear good fruit unless you're abiding in me resting in me. Some of us need to take all the good works and the striving and put it on the back burner for a minute and cultivate our relationship with Jesus and his word. Amen? All right. Number two for Paul. Number two thing. First is bearing fruit and good works. Number two is being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy. Now, impatience. Now, I said a couple of weeks ago, probably one of the biggest temptations that we fall into in the Christian life is discouragement. But here's number two for you. Impatience. Impatience is a great temptation for us. Maybe one of the greatest ones because impatience, and it's one of the most dangerous temptations because impatience with God leads us to lose hope. And when we lose hope, we lose our focus. And when we lose our focus, we start drawing away from our prayer life. And the next thing you know, we're way out here in the desert, far from the Lord, because we said, God, I'm sick of waiting. I'm sick of waiting, so I'm going to find some other way to accomplish what I want and what I need. So many people fall away from the Lord in this way. They're not getting their prayers answered in the way that they hope, so they turned to, to other means of doing that. But you see, God loves when we wait on him. 
He loves it. Don't deny him the opportunity to, to, to bless you and to grow you in that waiting period and then, and then to, to give you the desires of your heart in his good timing. He, he gets glory out of that. Isaiah chapter 64 says, From of old no one has heard or perceived by the ear. No eye has seen a God besides you who acts for those who wait for him. I heard this uh, quote just yesterday. I had to like go redo my, retype my sermon and print it out again because I wanted to use it so bad because I wanted you to hear it. And, and the quote is this. She says, Sometimes our miracle is not in our prayer being answered, but in the growth of our faith while we wait. Sometimes our miracle is not in our prayer being answered, but in the growth of our faith while we wait. Now, we are a miracle-believing church. We, 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 we pursue that. We pursue the supernatural life. We pursue God for healing and deliverance and all of those things. And we, sh- we should continually press into that. But there are periods of life when we go through waiting and the temptation is to become impatient and what God is doing, he's doing a deep work in us and we don't even realize it. He's conforming us to the image of his son, as Romans 8 says. You know, the book of Hebrews says, Jesus himself learned obedience through suffering. Through suffering, there can be redemption in the Christian faith. Now, here's the third thing. First one, bearing fruit. Second one, being strengthened with God's power through periods of difficulty for endurance. And the third is this, giving thanks to the Father. Paul says this, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. You see, living for Jesus without a thankful heart for what he's done will become drudgery. Oh, the the tragedy of of a, of a boring Christian life because it's it's not done out of gratitude and joy, but just out of this slavish mentality. I knew this guy once and he just great, you know, really strong believer, but he always just said things like, well, I hope that what I'm doing is pleasing to God. I, I hope. And man, he was faithful. He did so much. He lived so hard, but he just had this, this drudgery to it. I hope it's pleasing God. And I wanted to say, God is delighted in you and your, in your work. Take, take joy. He, now, you see, this is, and this is what Paul is going to get into at the very end of the, of the, uh, of the, the, the passage here. Jesus has already pleased God on our behalf. He's already pleased God on our behalf. When he, when he took the cross upon his back and he, and he went to Calvary and he took the sins of the world upon him and, and poured out himself as the perfect sacrifice for the sins of the world, he already pleased God. And now we have the opportunity, because we're saved by nothing but his grace, to enjoy friendship with him in our, in our life of giving thanks and good works flows out of that, right? We always talk about how we can't get those things backwards. That We often fall into that mindset of, I have to please God. What can I do to please God today? And God says, I'm already pleased with you because you're in my son. Now, 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 now take joy in that and, and go live a fruitful life. You see the difference in motivation again? Our motivation is, is, is so much in the Christian life. Now, Paul ends the passage and he wants the Colossians to remember this. So he, he tells them, here's what's at the core of the Christian life. Remembering this, he has delivered us from the domain of darkness, from the power of darkness. And he has transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son. 
Some of us don't even realize what we've been delivered from when we give our lives to Jesus Christ. We haven't even had that realization yet. We've been delivered from an actual realm, a spiritual realm, where, where Satan has the authority. We've been delivered from that domain of darkness into his wonderful kingdom, the kingdom of light, the kingdom of his beloved son. What a thing we should be jumping out with joy out of our seats for that. Then he says this, the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, that is freedom, the forgiveness of sins. See, this is what is at the core of the gospel is that Jesus Christ died to save sinners. To invite us into the presence of our Father and our God who loves us. And the Christian life is one that flows from that place of knowing that I am loved by God. I trust Him as my good heavenly Father. He's pleased because with me because I put my faith in His pleasing Son. Now, that's general. Seeking to know God's will for our life right? Seeking him in his word. But what are some specific things that we can do? This is what we want to do is get practical now as we start to come to a close. There are some practical things that we can do to position ourselves to know the will of God for our life specifically. And one is what I call a duh point, which I always say, prayer. Okay, prayer. Some of us really, we really need to work on pressing into the life of prayer. Oh, but I just don't have the energy for it. I don't have the time for it, we say. Trust me, I struggle with this too. And I'm telling you this, sometimes I'm sitting in my chair and maybe I'm just reading a book or something and I feel like the Lord say, why don't you come away and spend some time with me? <laughs> oh Lord, but this book is just fine. It's about you. And he says, I want you to stop reading about me and, and come and be in my presence. And sometimes it takes all of the energy I have to slump out of my chair and onto my knees. But I tell you what, when I hit the floor, and make that sacrifice, I begin to sense his presence and his pleasure. And he gives me strength to pray. It's the same for you. It's the same for you. Sometimes it takes every shred of intention that we have. Number two is this. We're about to get supernatural here. Some of this might be new to some of you. Ask God to speak to you through dreams, vision, and prophecy. This is... All through, this is common in the life of the New Testament. It's common in many churches today, maybe unbeknownst to us. But God is a very biblical concept that God speaks through dreams, visions, and, and words of prophecy, or what the Bible calls words of knowledge. Now, keep in mind, dreams, visions, and prophecies, if they contradict the written word of God, are not from God. Okay, so this is the standard by which we measure things and try to interpret things and understand what they mean. Okay, because you know, if you have a dream that tells you to, um, you know, go to the bar and get wasted and cheat on your wife or something, that was not from God. Okay, <clears throat> but here's the thing. Now, let me just say something practical from personal experience. I, I don't have really usually have visions very often. Um, I've had people give me prophetic words, but I do have dreams. And what I've noticed is, is that I think I've had probably had dreams from the Lord for a long time, but probably just maybe six months ago, I started paying attention to them. If they seemed sort of spiritual in nature, they seemed to have deep meaning. And I started to pay attention to them and I started to write them down in the morning, what I could remember. And I started to go, ah, 
Oh, and then I would, and then I would go to friends who I knew had, had experience with, with dreams and from a Christian perspective and get insight and just discuss them with them. And I notice that when I pay attention to those things, God gives me more of them and gives me deeper dreams with deeper meaning. You see, I think what, I think what God's methodology is, is he, he gives us revelation in this way and he says, how will they steward it? Will they pay attention to it? Or they just keep brushing it off. And when we pay attention to it, he's going to say, wow, what a good steward. I'm going to give them more. I want to reveal more of myself. You see, the Bible says he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So we're supposed to go seeking the reward, one of which is the knowledge of his will for us and for our lives. And he gives us purpose, direction, and vision, sometimes through dreams. Sometimes this just through visions and images that we have in our mind, I know some of you get visions, and I, I envy you. One of my prayers right now in my personal life is that God would send a, 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 a godly mentor, an older man into my life who could speak prophetically into my life, who could say, I believe this is what God is doing in your life and what he wants to do in your life. I've had that before in the past, and I've been praying, Lord, give me that. Give me someone who can do that into my life, and I believe he will. I believe he will if I diligently seek him for it because, of course, I want direction and purpose in my life. I want to see where does God want me to go? What does he want me to do next, right? So, third thing, one is prayer, deeper life of prayer. Two is ask God to speak through dreams, visions, and prophetic words. And then finally, three is take risks. We believe in taking risks at this church. Now, try this. You've heard me say this a million times about taking risks. Take a risk on something that you think God might be encouraging you toward. Okay? Take a risk on something you think God might be encouraging you toward, even if you're not certain. Because if you start doing that, you will see God will reward it. And his direction will start to become clearer and clearer. And he'll give you more opportunities to grow, to share the gospel, to go deeper in your spiritual life. If you think the Lord is saying, I think, oh, maybe the Lord is telling me to fast lunch on Tuesdays. God, that's all. That's the day that I go to Chili's for baby back ribs. I really don't want to. But do it. Do it if you have the impression that maybe the Lord is giving you the opportunity to go deeper with him. Watch what happens. The opportunities will increase and you'll be abiding deeper in Jesus. and He'll be honoring your hunger and your, your boldness for him. It's about time to land the plane, isn't it, Father Cameron? Is that what you're thinking? Friends, our Father, he delights. He delights to fill us with the knowledge of his will. And he's given us the capacity to actually receive it. But and he, he saved us and you are saved by the blood of Jesus. Praise God. If you have put your faith in Jesus Christ and, and you have been baptized, you are a part of the family of God. And when you die, you will be with him for all of eternity. But here's the thing. Don't go through the Christian life as a stowaway. Sleeping at the bar tables a couple nights with no direction or purpose. Nervous about what you're supposed to do. No resources. Seek the Lord's will and ask him, how can I position myself, Lord, to receive more revelation from you about your will for my life specifically? I'm going to close with this. The knowledge of God's will flows from knowledge of him. And remember what we said, knowledge of him in scripture is knowing him. 
Let me close with these words from James. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for that promise. Lord, let us never forget that all through our Christian life, when we're we're striving, we're trying harder, and what you want rather than for us to try harder is to draw closer. So we ask, Lord, that you would give us the ability as a, as a church, as a, as a people, as a, as a family, a local part of your family, to be a people who abide in your presence, a people who seek after your presence when we're gathered together in worship and when we're alone in our homes, when we're out in the community, that we'd be a people who practice the presence of the living God. Lord, show us how to do that and meet us where we are, all of us, Lord. We thank you for your grace. We thank you that we're saved by that and and nothing but that. But now, Lord, from this point forward, I ask that you would begin to give the individuals in this room, myself included, greater knowledge of your will so that we could delight in it and walk in your ways in and through the work of your son, Jesus Christ. In his name we pray. Amen.